the degree to which you're awake is the degree to which you've never been that alive. Being that alive creates an experience that's exceedingly powerful. And it's the reason people probably go back into the boxing ring when they shouldn't. And the reason guys who are too old continue to race. Because except for sex and good food, there's nothing like it after that. Fundamentally, you're always looking for that high again. And the guys who are really gifted, like Daryl uh, Walter, Daryl Earnhardt, and you got the King Richard Petty, who's still chasing it at his age, not having all the success he used to, is because life is pretty boring once you've experienced being that alive for four or five hours. The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. I'm your host, Hollywood Wade, along with my co-host, Jaeger Yancey Tedder. It's good to be back recording again. Now, we took last week off, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. My neck has been killing me due to this recent car wreck I was in. And sitting here in my setup with my neck and the microphones and everything, it was just killing me. So I had to take a week off. I had to get myself situated. I'm still not down or better, but I'm not completely out because I could not wait to get this episode done for you guys. Now, we kind of alluded to this uh, maybe on a whim a while back on our GG Sestone episode of that character who played uh, was played by John Fiore, where Silvio was making a crack about him dying uh, using the bathroom, taking a shit. I don't know if you remember that part of that episode or not, but he kind of... I kinda... remember I was the other voice on the phone. Uh, well, you drink <laughs> a lot, pal. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. You, you drink a lot. It's been so many episodes ago. Uh, a little while. Yeah, so we went off on a little bit of a Don Simpson tangent, and we said, you know, that man deserves his own episode. So by golly, that's what we're doing today. We're going to go over the life and times of Don Simpson. But before we get into that, since we've been off for two weeks, what all is exciting happened in your world, Jaeger? I got a haircut and uh, played a video game. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Excitement over here. I get to the, the conversations where it's like I got an exciting bachelor life. Just the opposite. I am snuggled off with my pooch and just try to stay out of trouble over here at my end. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely very uneventful. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> totally. I'm no Don Simpson, pal. <laughs> well, not many people are because this guy has got a hell of a story. Now, before we get into it, I watched the heavyweight boxing match that everyone was waiting on this past weekend with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And as I predicted, if you follow my personal pages on the social medias, I told everyone to go ahead and lay a few bucks down so you could take out the missus. I said, lay it on Tyson Fury. That man was going to win, and he did. Uh, maybe in not quite as convincing fashion as I thought because that man did get knocked down not once but twice, but but he still got up, as Stone Cold said back in the day, and he was able to end the fight in the 11th round, knocking out Deontay Wilder. Wait, I don't I don't even know what sport this is. Is it MMA or is it no, boxing? This is boxing. This is, this is heavyweight boxing. Uh, okay. These are the guys that's pretty much trying to revive the heavyweight division because, you know, back in our day, yeah, Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield, you know, 
the Klitschko's dominated for so long, it almost made heavyweight boxing boring. That's kind of when your Floyd Mayweather's and, you know, everybody started becoming the, the ones to watch. But now with guys like Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, it's bringing a little bit of eyes back. And Anthony Joshua, although he just lost as well, it's bringing eyes back to the heavyweight division. Now, Deontay Wilder, uh, at the time before he fought Tyson Fury, he was 39-0, and 0, and he had knocked out everybody he faced. So that's like, yeah, yeah, he, he was a knockout artist. But that was kind of the problem. He was a knockout artist, not so much a boxer. And that's kind of where he run into problems with Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury is a boxer. And when you put a boxer and a brawler in the ring, you better damn well believe the boxer is going to come out on top. And that's what happened. This is the third fight, actually. The first one was a draw. The second one, Fury knocked him out. Or it was actually a ref stoppage. Uh, he was about to knock him out. And then this one, he literally did knock him out. So no doubt about it. All I right. think this trilogy is over. But if any uh, fight fans out there, that was a hell of a fight. Because uh, Fury knocked Wilder down, I think, in the third. And then two rounds later, or next round, uh, Wilder knocked Fury down two times in one round. That second time, I wasn't sure if he was going to get back to his feet or not. So Wilder laid it all out there. I got a lot more, more respect for him now than uh, maybe I did before. So definitely a... Definitely a warrior. Uh, while we're in sports here real quick, before we get to Don, we have got to bring up the shenanigans going on down in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. I'm sure you've seen the videos of Urban getting wrist deep in some uh, some yoga pants there. What, what, what do you guys say about this? I got to look like Urban was trying to maybe scratch his wrist, scratch something else, and... Definitely up there and caught on camera. Now, I'm just trying to figure out. I don't think anyone ever got an example of a NFL head coach not flying back with his team. This is one of the things where it doesn't seem like Urban's really got the respect of anybody, even the guy selling pretzels, I think, <laughs> in Jacksonville Stadium, respect Urban Meyer. And it was already a problem before. The losing was, was hurting. They always say winning's a great deodorant. Mm-hmm. I ain't a whole lot of winning looking like it's on the way here. Now you add this on to it. And Urban's a married guy, so he is uh, married. Well, he, he was down there with uh, the grandkids or something. Yeah, something well, I know his wife was posting something about her watching the kids or something like that. She even said, uh, "My buddy deserves a night out" or something along those lines. This was before, obviously, the video uh, got right, released. Right. Yeah, I mean, Urban doesn't have the best history when dealing with tight ends. Uh, I no, guess you want you want right. to go with. You want to go with Aaron Hernandez there, the, the failed experiment with Tim Tebow with the Jaguars, and now whoever this blonde woman is, uh, you know, that's definitely a tight end he should have stared clear of because it's got him in all sorts of hot water. Uh, the missus is obviously now made to be looking a fool. Um, she's handling it pretty well. Uh, she did like a few yeah. people's comments that was uh, critical of Urban and his uh, off-field shenanigans. But the thing I don't get is that was in his own fucking bar. Now, Urban Meyer, if you don't know, coached for Florida. I think he coached Utah, too. But he coached for Florida, won a national championship, coached for Ohio State, also won a national championship there. Now he coaches the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, the Jaguars played uh, the Bengals on a Thursday night football game. And as you said earlier, he did not travel back home with the team. He actually stayed there, and I guess he owns a bar there in Ohio. And he went to his bar. Well, a video that got leaked is one that I haven't seen a bunch. Obviously, I've seen the one with him, you know, diddling the girl that's dancing on him. 
but someone was recording that with that girl's phone. And she said, look at urban Myers with his fingers in my ass. Man, a lot. So I didn't uh, do too much investigating into who all was shooting what. So, all right. The news to me. <laughs> yeah. So he was definitely set up, but I mean, how do you think you're not going to be recognized in your own fucking bar? Like I, that just baffles me. I mean, oh, for no, God's I, sakes, man, uh-huh. take it in the back room. I, I can devil's advocate this thing. He might've thought, you know, he's, he's quote unquote home and it wouldn't be too big a deal. Uh, he might've thought he was in there or maybe he, was just him. <laughs> he wasn't taking it off. <laughs> he might've got a little too comfortable, which it looks like he definitely did get too comfortable. I can see that, you know, uh, got people like, we'll, we'll take Hollywood Wade here. I'm not really, uh, looking for your autograph. Other people might be excited to see you, you know, so he's in a comfort zone. Are <laughs> you thinking it was a case like that? I'm sure he was also thinking, man, this girl isn't too bad looking and she's, uh, in front of me right here. I guess I'll just reach out and touch. So he's definitely thinking that as well. Um, but what? yeah, a bad look. He's, he looked like he aged for about five years. Oh yeah. In the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. There was a picture with him later on with a different girl. And it said, I'm going to have to tell my wife, this was Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> so, uh, I think I posted that on my social media as well, but, uh, yeah, a lot of hot water urban is, but I'll tell you what, if urban would have done some of the shit to that girl, that old Don here had done to some of the girls in his days, he would definitely be fired. Probably doing time at the moment. We're going to get right into it here. Ladies and gentlemen, the life and times of producer Don Simpson. Now, if you don't know Don Simpson, one, you should go look him up. I'm sure you know his work. You might not know him by name, but he was the man behind some of the best action movies there is, especially around the early 90s. The Rock, Days of Thunder, Bad Boys, uh, Top Gun, Dangerous Minds, Flashdance. I mean, that man had his hand on all the -the over-the-top action movies of the early and mid-90s. And he had a tragic, tragic end. And that's what we're going to get into today. Talking about Mr. Don Simpson. Now, a lot of the, what I found came from a book by Charles Fleming called high concept. Now that is a really good book. Uh, you should probably get, have you ever heard of this book? No, I didn't know it existed. Okay. So I'll probably, I might try to see if I can get you this for Christmas or something like that. A little gift from old Hollywood here. It's got a lot of insider film info that you want to know, but basically what a high concept is, is the idea that you can pitch a movie in like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So you, you give it some sort of kind of like in the Soprano show, when Christopher was trying to make that Cleaver movie, he goes, Saul meets Godfather. So something along those lines, like if you were going to, do the movie we were going to shoot caller 13 would be scream meets dazed and confused or something along those lines. You pitch a movie Mm -hmm. inside 30 seconds. That's what high concept means. Now he's also got a little bit about him in another book that was written by some escorts in the uh, business called you'll never make love in this town again. And there's a little chapter in there about Don that we'll get into a little bit later on. So that's where a lot of our, Notes are coming from both great books. We'll link those to the show notes here if you guys are interested in them. But let's get right into it. Now, old Don here was born in Seattle, Washington, October 29th, 1943. So this man's got a birthday coming up right around the corner there. Uh, now, later on, they actually moved down to Anchorage, Alaska, while Don was still fairly young. So they go down there, and I'm not sure if that's the part... Where in the movie, I don't know if you remember Insomnia, where it's like fucking daylight six months out of the year and then dark. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. I've never seen that. I don't know if that would, I I don't know if I could deal with that. 
or not? What, what about it you? It would be an adjustment. It ain't for everybody, no doubt. Damn right. <laughs> now, Don was actually a fairly popular kid. You know, he was often wear suits and stuff to school. He was actually voted best dressed. Now, I did that quite a bit in my day. I don't really know why that was such a big deal, um, wearing suits to school. But I guess that was something that Don liked doing. And like I said, he was mm-hmm. voted best dressed in his class. So that was a big deal. Now, later on, he became famous for different after he became famous, the recollections that he had of his childhood kind of differed from people that were there. He would say things happened that other people would say didn't really happen. And in a book or it was an interview, I'm not sure which one it was. He says, I was a good kid until I discovered little league and sex. Now little league. Yeah. And, little uh, league. <laughs> yeah. Oh, little man. league and sex. Now it's been a minute since I played little league. But I'm pretty sure I wasn't having sex while I was playing Little League. <laughs> well, I, I guess you weren't throwing the ball around like you was. Huh? I, I, obviously not putting <laughs> the ball in the hole or whatever you want to I mean, that's that's a long time ago. That, that's like, you got to be in your damn eights and nines, I would think, for Little League. Single digits. Jesus uh, Christ. You know, unless you're uh, getting... Uh, senior-old, you're trying to pass off as 11 or something, but that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not going to say at that time <laughs> I didn't know what sex was because my pop knew the guy who knew a guy who knew a guy, and we had the, the black boxes that got you all the soft-core porn that a, a young kid could jerk off to. So, I mean, I, I knew what it was, <laughs> but I wasn't getting fucking laid in Little League. I mean, Jesus, Don was just – I guess he was fucking killing it here at an early age, but man, oh, man. Here for a good time, not a long time, my friend. That's what they say. Now – Again, I really can't stress this enough. Don was known to embellish things. So especially as he got older, that would suit him in the movies that he did because a lot of his movies wore over the top, really, really over the top. And now before he got into actually doing the directing, he was in the PR and film marketing. That's what he was doing when he was kind of getting his feet wet and breaking into the business. Now, he had a friend by the name of Larry Tish. Now, that's a eighties porn name right there for sure. If I ever heard one, Larry Tish, Jesus, <laughs> Larry Tush. Uh, you could probably do a lot with that name there. Now his friend actually gets an interview with Paramount. And for whatever reason, I don't know if he's just happy with what he's doing, but he doesn't want to take the interview. He actually sends Don Simpson in his place. He's like, Hey, I've got this guy. He's up and comer. I believe you'll like him. Mm-hmm. And, they actually send him to the fucking interview. Uh, even though he, his resume isn't big, his resume isn't huge or anything like that. Uh, but they sent him. Now, another guy that was involved here was his good friend, Jerry Bruckheimer. Now, I know you know that name for sure. Yeah, I think the audience might know the brand of uh, Bruckheimer if they don't know his name. Absolutely. That man's went on to do great, great stuff here. They actually yep. take him and they throw a suit on this man, kind of school him up, clean him up a little bit, and they send him in there to interview for this position. And lo and behold, that man got it. He got the job. So it goes to show you, you put a suit on somebody and a little bit of bullshit, there's really no limit to what you can accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, wait a second. What was the position that he was interviewing for? The position he was interviewed for was an executive for Paramount. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was, you know, kind of familiar with a lot of the chains 
of uh, filmmaking, and I'm I'm not super familiar with who interviews for spots. But yeah, an executive, I can see that right there. Yeah, he was um, an executive. Executives aren't always known for making uh, the wisest moves or being incredibly well studied. Some are, some are not. Disney's got a little bit of that going on right now with uh, their new CEO. But I can see why you can go through and bullshit a little bit <laughs> to get an executive spot in the film business. It's a wild business. <laughs> right, and they appreciated his kind of brash and cockiness that he did. I mean, I guess he came off well and impressed him. So like I said, he got the job and he had said to him in the meeting that he himself wanted to be like a big star. He wanted to be known in Mm. that field as a director. And boy, did he ever get to be known, not by just people that watch films, but, uh, you know, some drug dealers and some hookers. And we'll we'll get onto that a little bit later on. Cause he definitely, uh, made his mark in Hollywood. Now, from what I understand, after he gets this job, you know, he's climbing up the ladder a little bit. It was kind of widely known that he was just crazy as hell with drugs. Like you couldn't even get in and get to his office, like to make a meeting because he usually had like lines of coke, like out on the table. So it was like you had to schedule (laughs) schedule your meetings around his fucking chopping eight balls. Oh, they got a Tom Cruise at two o'clock. Oh, I got an eight ball here at two thirty. Oh, we'll give him four o'clock. We'll do four o'clock. That's good. We'll fit him in there. <laughs> yeah, one of those things he did more lines off the table than that was on the script. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but probably most definitely in Don's case. Now, one of the first big films that he gets his hands on here and he's got something to do with, he's kind of giving us two cents is an officer and a gentleman. Now, do you remember that movie? I do. Yep. All right, so that had Richard Gere in there. Um, I think originally they wanted Travolta for the role, but I think by that time Travolta had got some steam behind him and his price tag was just a little bit too high for what they wanted to do. Now, the female lead was Deborah Winger, who was also coming off Urban Cowboy, who Don had a little bit to do with that too. Now, Urban Cowboy had John Travolta in it as well, and everybody really loved her for the lead, but old Don, I don't know if he just wasn't feeling it or what exactly it was, but he come up to her and he told her, he's like, honey, he said, we love you. Everything's going good, but we're just concerned that you might not be quite fuckable enough for this role. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, me movement. yeah, I was about to say Don would not make it very long, uh, in today's time saying things like that, but we will learn that she is very fuckable, at least to the, uh, producer of the movie. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but, uh, Moving right along, Taylor Hackford actually comes on to do the movie. Now, the media, again, like we said, today in time would have a field day with that comment, but they would also have a field day with this. Taylor Hackford, like I said, actually winds up having an affair with Deborah Winger after she gets the part, and that becomes widely known. So I guess his question was definitely answered by the director. Hey, she's good. Yeah, definitely a one-timer. Maybe twice. Maybe twice. Uh, what what other movies have you known where there's been some uh, flaunting or, or sexing around with director and actors? What, what, what comes to mind there that you know of? Oh, good God. You know, casting couch stuff is about as old as Hollywood is, definitely as it is. Um, who's our, 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 used to be our boy uh, who did uh, the Rush Hour films. He was known for. Oh, Brett Ratner. And, Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner and Olivia Munn. And everyone said Brett Ratner basically is a frat house grown-ass man as a frat house kid. Him and Olivia Munn got something over her doing things with food in the audition. I mean, that got out of hand. But that is one of them 
cases that comes to mind right off the top of my head on uh, directors acting badly, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that casting couch, man. I mean, anybody on a set might try to pull that casting couch card on you, especially back in the day. Got somebody like in catering, they're going to lie to you and say, I can get you a hookup. I got this part for you. So, yeah, that's definitely been a thing in the industry forever. Yeah, you would think it, would, it wouldn't be as uh, uncommon as you think. I guess these people have to spend a lot of time together and those one-on-ones and shit just kind of happens. So I guess probably a lot more than we know of for sure. Uh, so I took the horrible take on it. You did, So this was a consensual thing and no one got sued later on? Oh, yeah, no, it was definitely consensual. Yeah, it was definitely consensual. Oh, okay. <laughs> in fact, yeah, I, I went straight to the crime. I think uh, <laughs> it was related that uh, – I think the Nightmare on M Street for the Dream Master. You remember we interviewed Lisa Wilcox. It was the word around a campfire was Rini was banging uh, Tuesday night while that was going on. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Well, we were going to have her on the show. If she listens to this, she probably won't come on now. But that, that's the rumor that was going on was Rini was uh was banging Tuesday night on the uh, set of Part Four, which uh, oh, everything God. else is going on. That really don't surprise me one bit. Oh, wait, what about uh, uh, Demon Knight? How much hooking up was going on in that movie? Uh, the Tales from the Crypt movie? <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not Demon Knight. Oh, man, the one we watched the documentary on. The, oh, uh, Night of the famous, Demons. Night of the Demons. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night of the that Demons is like a uh, <laughs> set up, hook up set <laughs> from the makeup. Everybody on that set was getting lucky. Yeah, I think Leanna Quigley actually married the damn guy that done the makeup, at least for a portion, a mm-hmm. little bit of time. The one that was, yeah. he came up with the the lipstick and the nipple there. If, you, if people don't yeah, know what we're talking face. to, <laughs> if they don't know what we're talking about, you need to go get a movie from the 80s, that was the 80s, late 80s, uh, Night, Night of the Demons. Very good movie. You got Halloween, you're in the midst of Halloween here. You know, you got Halloween rolling around in a couple of weeks. Go ahead and rent that for the weekend if you had never seen it. Even if you have seen it, that thing's got very good rewatchability factor to it. Oh, it was a fun flick, and apparently it was a movie where it, it doesn't have like a lot of hatred towards it from people who are involved. Everybody's talking about it very fondly. So it, it's one that holds up in an entertaining way to data check out. Yeah, absolutely. So back to Don here. Officer and the Gentleman, it came out in 82, and you remember it had that song with it, Love Lift Me Up? Remember that song? No, I don't remember that song. If I heard it, probably uh, I would recall uh, well, it. <clears throat> let me clear my voice. <clears throat> Love oh, lift us up where we belong. Oh, I definitely know that song. Okay. And yeah, I'm about it, to Venmo you $20 and never sing again. Okay. All right. Well, you know my Venmo. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was the song that was kind of linked to that movie. Now, Simpson actually hated the fucking song. He's quoted as saying, just ball that damn thing up and throw it away. It's not good. But the song actually went on to be very popular, helping it kind of solidify, or the, the song went on to be very popular, helping it to sell a lot for the soundtracks. Now, the movie done good as well, and that kind of solidified Don as the next big thing. Now, Simpson here, he just doesn't really give a single fuck at this point. He's, he's knocked it out to part with this. His shit's kind of, you know, together, so to speak. Now, there's this big executive retreat that I guess a lot of the top dogs from Paramount all right. And Simpson is already like 30 minutes late to this fucking thing. And they're all sitting around the table wondering what's going on. Now, the story goes that he comes in about 30 minutes late wearing fucking jeans, sunglasses, and a T-shirt. I think the T-shirt said something like Maui Wowie. And he's eating a fucking cheeseburger. And he just sits down and he's like, sorry, I'm late, but I was fucking starving. 
<laughs> that right there is just some classic shit. You know your shit's together. You know they really don't want to fuck with you if you're coming in there meeting with all the uh, the top dogs eating a fucking cheeseburger and shit. That'll let you know kind of where his head was at during this time right here for sure. Now, there's also oh, yeah. there's also reports of him actually meeting with other executives, and he's literally passing out at the fucking dinner table, like his head's falling down in soup and all kinds of shit. He's he's off the rails here now. At this point, he's actually fired from Paramount. They fire him, but they still want him to work on their movie. So they actually gave him like a fucking office on the lot. So it's kind of like you're not working for Paramount, but you can still work with Paramount if that makes any sense. I made those things. I was going to say, as long as your stuff's making money, you can uh, get away with a lot of horrible behavior in Hollywood. Yeah, as we very well know right here today, it's still going on. Now, at mm-hmm. this point in time, when he's separated from them, he actually teams up in his partnership with the man we talked about earlier, Jerry Bruckheimer. Now, in a way, these two guys are just kind of tailor-made for each other. You know, they get each other what one can't maybe do or get together. The other one gets together. Bruckheimer just kind of brings together all Don's crazy fucking over the top ideas. They're really good. Now, one of the first movies they do is Flashdance. Now, have you ever seen Flashdance? You know what? That's one I never sat down and watched start to finish. I've seen clips on the telly of Flashdance. Uh, I, of course, know about the water scene, the dancing, all that jazz. I've never watched the movie start to finish. I, that, that's the same thing here. So I guess we can't really go into too much detail of Flashdance. I obviously know the broad, the famous, you know, the, the actors. Um, and uh, like you said, some of the scenes that the movie is known for, but I've never sat down and watched it start to finish. I guess maybe I need to. Apparently it's, uh, it was a, a big hit then. And there's rumors that they actually give this to Jerry and Don because they wanted them to fuck it up. That movie had actually been shelved for quite a while and nobody touched it and they gave it to them and they actually killed it. And again, they had a good song linked with it. I think that was the maniac song. Maniac, maniac. He's a maniac. Yes. Yes. That would be the trend with Don. He would get these catchy songs that would kind of go along with the movie that would turn the movie into like a, a mega hit. So then you got money coming in from the soundtrack. That would kind of be something that would follow him throughout his career. See, this is where I'm going with the soundtrack, hooking up the movie and getting the synergy, as they like to say in the business of a similar uh, or around the same time having something come out for uh, music in the movie. But that was already happening. Anybody who knows black exploitation movies knows those films always, not always, but a lot of times had a hell of a soundtrack to accompany it. So they definitely didn't create that being a thing. They were more mainstream. I'm talking about Don and Jerry, right. where it became a thing and they got known for it. We can go back to uh, your Superfly Shaft might be one of the more famous example. Uh, sweet, sweet, bad, badass song when it, uh, Mario Van Peebles, Melvin Van Peebles' father did. He had, uh, I think, Earth, Wind, and Fire doing the soundtrack before they were huge. I'm like, I could be off on the Earth, Wind, and Fire. But yeah, the soundtrack with the movie, people were doing that when they were selling movies out the back of their trunk. But you get Don Simpson and Jerry with studios behind them. They get a little bit more credit for that that I've heard over the years. But you can go back a little bit further to 68, 69. That was a thing already taking place. Well, too, I'm sure what helped Don and Jerry at their time was the height of like MTV. So when you mm-hmm. can grab that good video and pair it with that movie, and especially if you're going to put clips in the in the music video, then people are going to mm-hmm. see that on MTV. That's just going to draw them into the crowd. And like you said, that's making that two-way money. So 
mm-hmm. you know, definitely not mm-hmm. a bad thing. And they latched on to that early on that that was kind of a, a cash cow, so to speak, because bringing in money from two different revenues. Uh, but like I said, Flashdance was a big hit. Now, the next one they come on is one I'm sure you're familiar with, and probably most of our listeners is old Beverly Hills Cop. Remember Beverly Hills Cop, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, rewatch you one or two not too long ago. Two, I, I really liked two. Well, one was good. I actually really did like two. Um, uh, some some of the critics said it wasn't quite as good. I liked it. Three, three was okay, but it was very, very <laughs> much not on the level of one and two for sure. Well, Eddie was in a different place uh, career-wise, and yeah. that movie came so much later than after part two. But one of the things stylistically between Barely Old Scott 1 and 2 is fascinating is you could see the touch that Don, just say Dom, <laughs> I was thinking out with a Dom this weekend, <laughs> that Don and Jerry brought to that movie. Their classic shots would be, of course, the sunset shots. There's always freaking sun, sunset. Mm-hmm. The warmer orange lights are on things. A wider angle on the lenses. These are all kind of the trademarks to make the movie look like a Hollywood blockbuster that those guys definitely had their fingertips all over. And it's a night and day difference between part one style-wise on the screen and part two. That's always a good example to bring up in the film school for somebody to see the difference the director and producing team can have. Because they had a whole, maybe too much influence on some directors because I know their stories are still not liking working with them because they're shoehorning their visual cues into their movies. So that's... uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that a little yeah. bit later with uh, Tony Scott because they worked with him on a number of films, and that was one of the things he said. Was he said he had all these ideas and visions? He said none of them got, you know, come to fruition because Don and Jerry just said, you know what, fuck you, we're doing this movie our way. So yeah, you're, yeah, you're spot you on can, with that. You can compare it how Marvel's doing in their cinematic universe too. Some directors just are not a good fit in that kind of producing system, and some are. You know, it's not a right or wrong way. It's just kind of how it is project to project sometimes. Right. Now, Don said he got this idea for Beverly Hills Cop was because when he first moved down here, the way he used to dress and the way he looked driving around Beverly Hills, he would get harassed by the cops. And he said he even had a couple of cops on occasions tell him, like, you don't belong here. You know, you don't you know, you you don't need to be here. And so that's where he kind of came up with the idea of maybe a police detective, like a fish out of water type deal, you know, blue collar cop having to come to Beverly Hills and do all that. So that's kind of where he got that, uh, idea from now. Originally that role was pitched to Stallone. Did you know that? I did not know that. Boy, that's a different movie. Yeah. It's very much a different movie. I I would, uh, Stallone is okay as an action guy, but he could not carry the comedy portion that at least in my opinion, I don't think not the way Eddie did. It would have had to, I don't know if they rewrote that for Eddie or, you know, added sure some comedic elements because I, I'm sure at that time he was, you know, hot off Saturday night live. They knew he could probably hold a joke, but yeah, that's a totally different movie with Stallone in there for sure. Stallone did stop or my mom would shoot. So you see how his comedy chops kind of played out. <laughs> uh, I remember as a kid, I enjoyed that, but as an adult, I realized how fucking horrible it was. <laughs> it was not too good. Uh-uh. Yeah. Had to get that Rocky machine rolling uh, a few <laughs> years later on. <laughs> well, now the next big one is the one that a lot of people are going to remember, and it is Top Fucking Gun. I know you remember Top yeah, Gun. I do. I watched it so many years later, start to finish, and Top Gun and uh, Footloose, or two movies from the 80s. I wasn't sure what genre of movie I was really watching. Like I wasn't sure how serious to take Top Gun. <laughs> in some scenes 
But boy, this is all the trademarks of Bruckheimer and uh, Don Stetson there. You want to talk about your sunset shots, your silhouette in front of the sunset, <laughs> your, your musical montages. All those pieces are on display in Top Gun. And I got to say, um, getting off topic to the sequel that's been announced since 2018 or 19. Right, that's been on the Early word is from uh, places like, uh, I don't know, is it CinemaCon or something like that? People who have seen it after that sequel, it's really, really good, surprisingly. But that's another story for another year. Quite literally, it'll be out this summer. Half the guys <laughs> that worked on that movie are no longer with us because, as we'll talk about now, they hire first-time director Tony Scott, who went on to have an impressive career. Now, tragically, we lost him to suicide some years back. That is uh, Brother Ridley. Um, I think he jumped off. Really, I'm zero fan of really. I really don't care for him. He's like not a great human being either, but I love Tony. I like (laughs) what he did on screen. So (laughs) that's my two cents there. So they bring in Tony Scott there, and obviously they go on to hire Tom Cruise, Val Kilmer. They're bringing in the big heartthrobs at that time. Now, a little side note before we start getting into a little bit here about Top Gun. This is known to be one of the most homosexual movies of all time have you heard that uh no but i can see why but now define what you mean by homosexual well, i'm trying to yeah. choose my words very carefully <laughs> with this cancer cancel culture we got going on there it's got more homosexual innuendos than about any other fucking movie you can think of and there's actually oh, okay, a youtube well, video that if you google like is top gun gay or something along those lines about top gun being a, a gay movie or something along those lines it it breaks down everything in that movie, and there is a lot of them. Like it's on the level of like Nightmare on Elm Street two, which forever had the title of the gayest horror movie ever. Well, okay, let's let's try to sort this out here. I can see the scenes of slow motion guys with shirts off, uh, like that volleyball scene, <laughs> yes. something like that is where this is going. Because quite frankly, uh, you can probably throw that title on a lot of things. And even fully clothed guys in slow motion looking cool. And a Michael Bay flick, you might can throw that out on as well. And hey, there's nothing wrong if you uh, like watching the guys do stuff in slow-mo. That's your thing. They uh, definitely have the ladies uh, in slow motion and stuff. So. It's <laughs> some shit to it. Just, the, I guess, the heat between Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. And, you know, watch your ass. And you can be my wingman anytime. And you can be mine. And it was, it's a lot of, it's until you watch that video broke down the way they do it. Maybe you don't realize it watching it as a whole, but it's definitely there. Um, okay. but that wasn't a lot of reading into. Yeah. That, but th- that would not suit to the way that everything went when they stopped shooting, because apparently when they call cut every night was a fucking rap party there on that set. I mean, things <laughs> got fucking crazy. And it didn't matter, like I said, what day it was on. It just got fucking crazy every night. There's like reports of them all being in the pool. The uh, the girl who was the lead character, I think Kelly McGillis, they were all in the pool. People were naked. I mean, you know, it was crazy shit going on. I'm sure Don was all up in the middle of that. They said something about they were about to throw Jerry in the pool, and he was begging him to like, take off his damn expensive jeans he had on or some shit. But, I mean... <laughs> A lot of partying going on there on that set. So surprisingly, they even got the damn movie made. Now, again, with Top Gun, that's linked along with Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. I'm pretty sure Kenny mm-hmm, Loggins, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a that was a hit song for sure. Yeah, that definitely is. Danger still. Zone. Yeah, still a, still still a good a hit. Every time I hear that, I Florida just want to fucking Florida hammer. 
<laughs> yeah, it's on a lot of uh, team stadiums. Uh, we'll get that hook in there, something like that. The danger zone. I can't. I want to attempt to sing it. I know that's not my lane. <laughs> well, as we talked about, you know, Tony Scott. Like I said, he was a big part of that party, and him and Don party together a lot. Now we we mentioned that he did take his own life. He jumped off the Vincent Thomas Bridge in L.A. Uh, some while back, but he, he went on to do a lot of movies and he worked with Don and Jerry on some later films. And we'll get into that here because at this point, Don, he knew that he had a problem, but he was proud of it. Like he was proud that he was a fucking crazy person. Like he would flaunt the fact that he's like the fucking man. He even called himself. Now he was seeing so many fucking high end hookers and escorts and stuff like he called himself Beverly Hills cock. <laughs> uh, he missed the parody oh, i guess he probably could have ran off that in the porn uh industry but that's what he called himself was beverly hills cock that's how much fucking pussy he was buying back in those days all right so, so uh, is he uh are there stories like weinstein level of mistreatment or was he just a partier and i'm sure he was uh not friendly with everybody because he's hollywood and so somebody doesn't like you but does he have that kind of history behind him or is it, uh, well, it's funny you should ask about that. Cause that's what we're about to get into right now. Now, like I said, he's involved with a lot of madams. There was this lady named Madam Alex. Now, <laughs> Madam Alex was once quoted saying, and this is her, this is a quote says, Don doesn't make love. He fucks. Now other guys in the business, they knew we're he bad. had a, uh, yes, yes. We're back. Now other guys in the business here, they knew he had an obsession with pussy and he actually gets tight with another famous madam a little bit later on named Heidi Fleiss. Now you Ooh. remember, yeah, you remember Heidi Fleiss was the famous madam who went to jail and everybody thought her black book was going to get released, which probably had names from, you know, the upper echelon of politicians, actors, and, and all that. I'm sure you remember her story. It was headline news for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> I was very little. <laughs> I can say very little, but I'm into teens here. And I remember that being a big deal on E when they were covering yeah. celebrity news like that. The hottie flies, I don't know, was it a trial or whatever? Exactly. I can't remember how it was packaged up to yeah. be sold as now, real Fleiss, life soap opera. Flies kind of came in after Madame Alex. Madame Alex had a place, I think, I think the name of her uh, spot that she had there was called Casa de Pussy. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so that's where oh. don spent a lot of his time there at casa the pussy and then when flies got the cat yeah. <laughs> 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 now when flies got in line there she was starting to you know become the big deal there and a lot of the girls would report back to her that don was just over the fucking top in the shit that he was wanting and the shit that he was doing and the shit that he was requesting i mean it was just really really out the fucking norm of what mm. they want to do even for call girls so you know that's got to be bad well wow. that's just you know this is like the worst case reality of what can happen so for a regular person it can be i just want to look at some nudity on the porn hub and then you're trying to make your porn cocktail i need three girls just dressed as panthers mixed in with an octopus and he's doing this in real life. It's no longer like regular Joe's or even Mrs. looking for their crazy videos online. He's looking for crazy things in the real world. And this is what happens when you can be kind of, uh, I guess already unhinged 
Yes. Like, <laughs> you just keep searching for almost a, a high in sexual situations, and you are off the rails there. This is kind of how I compare it to uh, normal folk. And yeah. this guy with all the cash is not normal money wise anymore. Just, <laughs> you yeah, you're, you're wanting extra over the top shit. Now, back, we, we spoke about the book, You'll Never Make Love in This Town Again. That was from an escort's uh, experiences with some of these. Now, she writes in there in pretty detail about Dom would specifically want like younger girls to come mm. to his house. And then he would have more like a dominatrix girl with him. And he would make the younger girl like bend over and put her head in the toilet while the girl, the dominatrix girl would fuck her like with a strap on from behind. And while that girl was doing that, Don would piss on her head while her head was in the toilet. Mm, that is unhinged. <laughs> just, just a tad. Yeah, um, a way to sugarcoat that. You know, I like to fancy myself as a, you know, somebody that'll try anything at least once, but I just don't get the appeal of that. Like if you're paying him to come there and fuck them or whatever you're doing, why do you want to piss on them? I don't get that. What is R. Kelly and Don Simpson's fascination with pissing on people? I don't get it. Well, yeah, that is definitely a, uh, disgusting, horrible, <laughs> their whole mentality is just absolutely bad. But I mean, I mean, you know that, what? I am not, I, I don't want to like do a whole hour of shitting on how horrible nonsense now but yeah i'd say not for me <laughs> yeah that's what I, was, I mean you take away you take the toilet out of this equation and the pissing on people you're not gonna deal with it you got two broads what i've got a strap on i mean that sounds like it's, it's a good bit of fun but now you're, you're putting in all this other shit of pissing on people i just i don't know what it, i can't get in the water spot i guess they call that water sports isn't that what it's called there when you pissing yeah in? water sports is a name used but i guess we can back up to what i was just saying mentally you've had a break your satisfaction is somewhere else now. For most people, it's looking at crazy videos that'd be as crazy as it gets. <laughs> He's just gone in real life. That shit crazy with that stuff. Uh, for lack of a better term, I don't know the technical term for this sex addiction or whatever. Definitely out of my wheelhouse to talk about. But I'm running parallel to whatever the world is actually referred to. I'm sure someone's got. A lot of studies on this kind of thing right uh, here. Bat shit crazy is what I would call it. <laughs> bat, <Okay>. shit, <laughs> bat shit fucking crazy. I mean, so at this point, this is what he's wanting, you know, from these call girls. So he's pretty much well and truly out of his fucking mind here uh, when this is going on. Now, he even has, I think, like a dedicated sex slave that lived with him for a while just for Whoa. when he would have all these fucking sex fantasies if he didn't have time to go out and actually like track down and book a hooker for whatever time he was going to be there he had someone that just that was her job to be his sex slave and all the crazy wow. fucking shit that he did so <laughs> what do you do for work <laughs> so, so, okay. <laughs> Jesus. so in between the hookers and the cocaine him and jerry Bruckheimer here coming off this hot that says they actually signed a five-year deal with paramount now, mm -hmm. the first film that they do out of this five-year deal, you're probably going to remember this film because a portion of it was filmed in our little hometown of Darlington, South uh, Carolina. This mm -hmm. would be Days of Thunder, starring Crom Crew, Tom Cruise, Robert Duvall, Randy Quaid, uh, amongst some others. I think uh, was Nicole Kidman was on there. I think that's where they met. I think they met and started dating on that movie, and then they had that other one, Far and Away, where they actually got married. But they actually met on filming days of thunder. Now in the movie days of thunder, uh, follows Tom Cruise, who plays the role of Cole trickle. 
and he's like this new guy on the set uh, or scene of NASCAR, and he comes in and he actually gets his first win in the movie in Darlington, South Carolina, at the Darlington racetrack. Uh, the Lady in Black. Uh, that was kind of the plot point there, and they actually had a lot of you could go out and I think get in the stands back then. I was real young; I didn't go, but I knew it was a mm-hmm. big deal. Uh, you remember back when that happened, Yeager? Or was you a little bit too young there? Uh, since I was the same age, but I'm right here with you. I remember it happening. I remember Tom Cruise kind of being a movie star. I don't know if I was using that those terms back then. But the thing I took away from it was, remember, he got a speeding ticket downtown or uptown. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. That was a big story. Did that, that was, <laughs> was that confirmed? Yeah, and it was so confirmed. People that we know, uh, I can talk to you, I'm sure, Statue of Limitations probably did by now. They were actually Xeroxing and copying the speeding ticket to yes. give the people or <laughs> I, heard, I thought somebody I told me it was that. printed in the paper. That's what I heard. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that's even legal. I don't think legally they could have got it. I don't know. It's a small time. Maybe they could. But that also sort of introduced me to uh, how celebrity can be very weird and people can do very weird things because I really didn't give too much of a shit about mm-hmm. a speeding ticket, but people really seem like they cared. <laughs> Let's see the speeding ticket that Tom Cruise got. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the the story that I got was he was on Pocket Road, and that's a stretch of road in our hometown there. It is very long, very straight. And he was doing, I think, like over a hundred. He was stopped. He was pulled oh, okay. over by the law. And I guess, long story short, he thought because he was Tom Cruise, he was going to get out of it. The guy didn't drop the ticket. And Tom Cruise goes, "They're right. This place is full of fucking assholes and rednecks." Oh. <laughs> so that's what Mr. Scientology thinks about you, Darlington. That's that's where you got there. <laughs> <laughs> How fitting though to get a speeding ticket and you're doing a movie about racing. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could turn that into publicity. Well, <laughs> he actually had the idea. He brought it to Don and Jerry. Now him and I want to think Paul Newman uh, actually started driving these cars. They met up, I think it was Rick Hendrick and started driving these cars and kind of got the fever and they took the idea to Don and Jerry. He's like, Hey, I want to do a movie, you know, about race car driving. And that's kind of how this whole thing started and blossomed. And Don and Jerry loved it. They thought it was going to be the next, you know, big fucking thing. And of course they hopped on it with all their ideas and they thought it was just going to be fantastic. Now, did you, did you watch the film? You've seen the film, I'm sure. I've seen it. I don't recall too much of it. Um, it was on a cable channel months ago, and I kind of had it on in the background, but I didn't really zero in on it too much. Well, it's one of those things to where, like, you know, a lot of people like football, a lot of people like baseball, you know, boxing. I, I don't know if NASCAR is really going to be that niche that's going to draw men. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if maybe it it's had an a, outlier yeah. of American sports. Yeah, for sure. It's on that edge. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's definitely got its following, but I just didn't know if it was going to bring people to the theater in droves to see it. Uh, you know, that just my opinion. I like the film. I thought it was good. It's one of those films that, you know, when Blu-ray DVDs come out, you got your few that you go grab. That was always one of them. I actually have it on 4k. I think it came out with a 4k version last year. So I have it on 4k. Cause this one, um, I enjoy, I'll throw it in there as I've spoke before. I've got some family that's in NASCAR, so I've kind of got that rooted in me to be a fan of NASCAR. Not everybody does, so maybe this movie didn't hit home for everyone. But it was a hell of a film, and part of the problem is they went way over budget. Now, you can imagine between the ideas of Don and Jerry and how much fucking coke Don was doing, the ideas they had 
were fucking insane. And I watched a documentary they had on uh, YouTube. You can go find it. If you just put in like Days of Thunder documentary or making, it'll be up there. They spent a lot of money. Like they spent almost $330,000 just on the racing outfits that the people wore. Like just that. <laughs> yeah. It's an expensive sport, right? So, you know, even faking it is expensive. Right. And this wasn't so much in the days of green screens where everything is CGI. They really did it. Like they actually took like a, a older race car and of course modified it to be like a camera car. So they had this car out there on the track with them, but it's got like building cameras to catch some of the shots. And then they had cameras, uh, cars with cameras on them. So it was really neat just to see how they did all that and how they captured that. Um, really cool stuff. The famous wreck where Cole, wrecked his car and it was you know you just seen it kept twisting on its front going round and round they actually built the car onto like a device like a motor that just spun it around so when the camera's there you only see it like obviously you don't see the pole that's actually spinning the car but it's spinning around like that so it gives that movie illusion that's what it's doing so it was really cool to see how that was done and i think when they launched the car and this is how it was done back in the day they used to have like a a mechanism where they would press a button and it would shoot like either a pole or pipe or something down and actually launch the car in the air. And what they yeah. said they tried to do was kind of recreate that wreck. There was a famous wreck that Richard Petty had where he flipped up and almost like rolled down the guardrail for, you know, a, a couple of hundred yards there. I mean, it was a really bad wreck and obviously he made it out of that, but that's what they were trying to get with that wreck, mimic that and put it in that shot. So really cool stuff. If there's a fan of any days of thunder, uh, go out there and give that documentary a look really cool stuff to watch. Now this movie comes out and it's lukewarm reviews. It actually made some money, but it just didn't make the money that they thought it was going to make. I think originally the budget was around like 30 million, which is cheap nowadays for thinking of something like that. But I want to say they wound up putting like 60 some odd into it. So, it kind of pissed the people from Paramount off. And for whatever reason, they ended that partnership really quick. Like they were done. And of all places, do you know where Jerry and Don went to after that? After Paramount? Yes, after mm-hmm. Paramount. Was it Touchstone Pictures? Uh, one of the last places you would expect these fuckers to go, or at least Don anyway. Oh, gosh, I can't recall. I don't remember who touched those not even around. I don't know. They got bought out. So who, who was it? It was Disney. Okay, so they were on, were they on the, the Miramax? Yeah, well, brand? I'm not sure what brand it was. I know it was under Disney because I remember the first time I seen that a Bruckheimer film was a Disney release was uh, Coyote Ugly. Now, of course, Don had been dead, you know, a good minute at that time. But that's when okay. I realized that he was actually uh, working for Disney. And obviously, people equate Disney with, you know, Mickey Mouse and cartoon movies. They have separate brands for other movies other than that. And it's like you said, usually called different things. But it was up under Disney, and they go oh, over okay. there together. Touchdown was owned by Disney. Yes. So I am correct. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I stand corrected, or sit corrected, rather. Now. Uh, the first film they did over there was the ref. Now, did you ever see the ref? I remember that name. Um, I remember some of the trailers. I don't recall if I ever watched the ref. Was the, who did the ref have in it? I've never seen it either. It had, I wanted, I feel like I want to say Dennis Leary. Let's ask the internet here. The ref movie. Is that accurate? 
That's right. So Dennis Leary, Judy Davis, and Kevin Spacey. And that's, that's another. Oh, well, that's episode. probably why we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the comedy. Yeah, that's. The, I remember the box art. Dennis Leary's like standing up there with his legs like propped up on the uh-huh. uh, front. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, I don't think I ever watched that, or at least I never watched it in whole. I'll put it like that. I never watched it start to finish. So that's their first movie, and it is actually, uh, it's also a flop. So they don't start out too good there with Touchstone with this, but now soon after that, things are going to change. They're going to change for the better because they are going to, and when 95, they just fucking go off the wire. They do dangerous minds, which have Michelle Pfeiffer. And again, you correlate it with that hit song gangsters paradise by Coolio. I'm sure that mm. fucking soundtrack probably had to bring in some big money and it works so well with the film and the tone of that film. What do you remember about dangerous minds? Dangerous Minds, I don't know if I knew they produced it, or if I do, I kind of forgot about that one, because it was not, you know, the big blockbuster action movie. But yeah, I remember it being a hit. I also remember the music video, because it had Michelle Pfeiffer in it. I think they shot stuff exactly for that video, if I'm not mistaken, or it was edited together very well. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely taking off a whim right here. So yeah, Yeah. I'm aware of that movie, and Michelle Pfeiffer is still one of my, uh, I guess, Hollywood crushes. I'm a fan of hers. Yep, been a fan ever since I seen Scarface, and uh, she still got it, even though she's got a little age on her. There, she's still a uh, good piece of work, really put together. <laughs> well, Hollywood Wade always kind of went a little bit older, right? But that's what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, I had that's some static now. there. Moving right along. <laughs> now, another film they did was Crimson Tide. Now, do you that Crim- Crimson Tide had Gene Hackman, Denzel Washington, late great James Gandolfini, even. A crime and entertainment alum, Lilo Brancato Jr. was in that film. And I am damn near ashamed to say I have never sat down and watched Crimson Tide. You're stepping on my line, pal. I never watched it either. <laughs> Jesus Christ, come on now. So we you both never seen <laughs> we both we both never seen Flashdance. We both never seen the ref. We both never seen Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide looks like a movie I need to see. Oh yeah. Totally. You I know, mean, you just named that cast. You need to see it. I don't care if they were, like, cooking bagels. Yeah. Fucking I mean, fucking them. Gene Hackman, <laughs> Denzel Washington, Gandolfini. I mean, just, I'm going to fucking watch that this week, and we'll do a little uh, talk about maybe next episode. I got I to gotta watch that. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life here. I haven't seen Crimson Tide. <laughs> <in time. laughs> but now, things really heated up when they done Bad Boys and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Now, I know you remember this movie. One of my favorites. Still, it was very entertaining by that movie. Some parts didn't age well, but uh, a lot of it did. A lot of it did for sure. Now, this kind of, to me, I'm not exactly sure where Independence Day fell, but to me, this kind of solidified Will later. Smith a year later. Okay, so. Yeah, Independence Day is 96. Okay. Bad Boys 95. Well, yeah, to me, and that's what I was going to say, was this kind of solidified Will Smith from being getting over that fresh Prince of Bel-Air to – I can carry a fucking movie if I need to. And I don't have to be crack jokes the whole time. Like I can do my comedy bit, but I can carry a fucking action movie. I'm an action star. And I think that's kind of what put him on the map there. Did, did you see anything about uh, the rumor that other comedians were supposed to star in this movie? Yes, it, it was, was actually uh, Dana Carvey and John Lovitz. It was supposed to be like gotcha. a bumbling comedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely a different tone. So instead you got the two... 
uh, most popular black shows on the TV at that time mm-hmm. to be the, the leads of this show or this movie right here. Mm-hmm. It's still a good, uh, fun watch, the original Bad Boys. And, you know, that's something to be said that Don had a lot of faith in those guys because, you know, we go back to Beverly Hills Cop for just a minute. I don't think Eddie had done a ton of shit. He was more popular for Saturday Night Live and TV. And then kind of the same thing over here with Will and Martin. Obviously, those guys were popular in their fields, but they hadn't done a lot of big-time movies, like carrying movies like that. So Don had faith in them boys, and he kind of, you know, I would I would say definitely kind of put Eddie on the map and kind of put Will on the map. Martin, you know, kept a, a good long career after that. So, you know, them boys uh, got to throw a thank you there to old Don for putting them on, putting them on, getting them started in the game, as they say. As I'm looking at the budget, it was budgeted as a $19 million movie, so it was still on the smaller end. It wasn't going to bankrupt the studio. Yeah, that's um, like Will Smith's salary like now. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer he's sitting in is $19 million right now. <laughs> so, you know, people who aren't used to movie budgets say that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But actually, no, this is going to be on one of your lower ends. You don't even, for a while, you didn't even get movies around $19 million made. Now some of the horror movies you might not nineteen million into. I think Candyman was kind of around that budget wise, but that number was not too much of a risk. It might have been a risk for them because they were kind of on hot water as producers, right? Um, but but now well, it wasn't too much of a risk uh, price wise in the grand scheme of things. Well, I think Crimson Tide, you know, kind of put them on the right trajectory, and then when they done this one here, it was just over the top, and like you said, it had those. Those cinematic, those sunset scenes, the hero shots, that long kind of panning shot. Now, this is also where Michael Bay kind of comes into the fold, and he basically kind of, we'll say, picks up where Don leaves off, literally, because him and Bruckheimer work together on a many of films. But you can kind of see those those hero shots, as they call it, where the camera kind of pans around real slow, and they're looking up in the air. Uh, very cool stuff all throughout this movie. Bad Boys, one of my personal favorites i loved it i uh, watched it a ton back in the day one of those things you could watch over and over you know everything that's going to happen but it's just such a good movie keep watching it i mean had joe pantaleone in there joey pants as the uh, joey, captain. Pants, joey pants i mean what, what more do you ask for there even a little tidbit i know a lot of our listeners are fans of shows like the sopranos and sons of anarchy you remember the sons of anarchy character tig oh yeah mm-hmm all right, now at the very beginning of the movie, when they're in the Porsche and they pull over, and you know, because he drops the fry and he's making him get the fry, and they almost get carjacked. The guy yeah. that pulls the gun is Tig. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. So nice little tidbit, you know, there for our listeners. I always like to watch older movies now, and you see people that are a you know pretty big star nowadays that had those really small, really mediocre roles. And you just kind of see like the, the gigs and stuff they had to take back in the day and where they are now. So that lets everybody out there know, you know, no matter how small the role, go ahead and take it. Cause you never know where that role is going to lead you to later on down the line. Now that man, look, he was on sons of anarchy had his own little show, uh, bad blood, which I really loved. It ties into the, uh, Montreal crime and the mob over there. Uh, really good stuff. That man's doing him and, uh, Theo Rossi, have their own podcast called Theory Pod, where they kind of go over all the uh, past episodes of Sons of Anarchy and break that down. So that's, that's pretty good stuff over there. Kim Coates is his real name. I called him Tig because that's just kind of my favorite character that he's played. But Kim Coates is his actual real name. Yeah, Kim Coates rocks, man. Absolutely. Now, 
After Bad Boys, Don really starts kind of spiraling out of control here. I mean, he's got multiple friends. I think even director Joel Silver, um, some other people, they try to stage interventions for Don, and he just wouldn't do it. And he said he would try to take steps to, you know, get this corrected. So he actually goes and he hires a guy. I want to make sure I don't fuck this guy's name up, but it's Stephen Ammerman. Now, this guy, he is a doctor. He is a legit doctor. Now, to help Don kick one drug habit, he basically would concoct about three or four other drugs to help him kick that one. So if he's trying to get Don off a Coke, he's going to put him on a fucking stimulant and, you know, another type of fucking drug and morphine. He's going to basically give him three more problems to rectify the one. So Mm, obviously not uh, the best medical practice for someone already in the state that old Don was in. Now, this guy actually overdoses himself. Now, he overdoses at Don Simpson's house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was big news because when it came out, obviously, people knew that Don had issues, and then he hired this guy supposedly to try to help him get rid of his issues, and now this guy's fucking found OD'd at Don's fucking house. So that was a really, really bad look. His autopsy said they found cocaine, Valium, morphine, and some other things that he overdosed on here. Now, this isn't a great look, like I said, for Don trying to clean up his image, but how does one need cocaine, Valium, and morphine? I mean, you know what? When you're partying and you want to go all the way to the top of the mountain, baby, <laughs> I guess the fentanyl substitution. That is a hell of a cocktail right there. It is It is a big cocktail. I mean, just... I don't get how one could do that. I mean, it just, to me, it would make you pass out, I guess. But I guess if you're doing it for that long, that extended period of time, you get a tolerance for yeah. it and build up. So you just have to oh, keep adding fuel to the fire. The tolerance is up. Oh yeah. Yeah. That tolerance is way up and out there. Readily available. You don't just do this on the weekend every now and then, you know, you probably wake up on Monday morning, poop, shit, share, shower, and get some, uh, drugs, legal or illegal in you. <laughs> yeah. Addiction is a hell of a thing. Well, now this brings some heat because the cops, you know, they're investigating, you know, this guy and it comes to find out that this guy was just basically giving away prescriptions. Now (laughs) I had to double check and make sure I was reading this fucking number, right? Because he wrote to Don himself for over 15,000 medications. At that point in time, I didn't even know there were 15,000 different medications. Like what the f- how many fucking problems do you have for fifteen thousand well, medications? Yeah. Yeah, you, you almost started saying that are they funneling these drugs? Are they flipping? <laughs> it, it could be, man. I mean, but, on the street. Well, the thing is, they had they found a lot of them there, and a lot of them were wrote to Don himself. Some of them, the doctor had actually wrote some to himself. And I think that they were just really hooked on the shit. I don't think they were fun. Mm. I don't think that now there was a ring that got busted a little bit later on. I haven't dove in too much down that rabbit hole, but after all this happened and they found all the drugs from, uh, Mr. Ammerman and then from Don later on when he died, there was actually a big look into where these were coming from and they had a crackdown on that. So, you know, it could have be, but I just don't think Don is the drug dealer. I think he's just more the partier. He just wants to take it. I mean, that's my opinion. Yeah. Could be wrong. I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there with a flashlight. My father always says. 
Now, <laughs> Don was reported in this time to spend as much as about $13,000 in three weeks dying different types of pills. He was spending around $75,000 a month in pills. Man, that's a hell of a number. That's the number you got to wrap your head around. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's that's insane. I can't even fathom $75,000 a month in pills. So at that point, you know, he, there's only one way to get in. And if he can't, if he, the people helping him can't help him. Yeah. He's just not going to be long for the world. Yeah, he is not going to be long for the world. And I, around this time, this is when Jerry Bruckheimer, he actually terminates their contract that they had going. You know, they finished the movie, the rock. And after that, that's when they agreed to part ways. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer kept con air. Uh, Don Simpson was reported saying that he just didn't like con air. He didn't think it was going to be a good movie. And I think when bad boys come out, that was where you seen the, uh, in memory of Don Simpson. Um, uh, actually the rock, when the rock came out, that was where you seen in memory of Don Simpson on that particular film. On the tag, you mean yeah. on the uh, credit. Yeah, yeah, on the credit. Right. I so I guess he wouldn't have seen The Rock actually get made and get there, but that was the last one that he did with Jerry because Jerry had had enough and he wanted to go out on his own. Now, Jerry would still, like we said, go on to do many, many more films. Don, not so much. Now, he's going through a lot here. Don had, now back in the day, I've actually had these shots myself at a job that I worked at, and I got them with a needle, but Don gets testosterone capsules put into his body. I'm assuming into his ass or something. I don't know, but they actually bust and they don't time release like they're supposed to. And it was causing him basically just to go off his fucking rocker. And he was saying that that was why he was, had the temperament that he did and all this kinds of other shit. Like he had a lot of bad stuff going on. He was starting to gain a lot of weight because the testosterone was making him eat a lot. And at the end of 95, regardless of how many hit films they did, he was really, really going off the fucking rails. Like it was, it's closing curtains time for him almost. But now in 96, he actually starts to try to write the ship. Like he's trying to get things in order. He makes some phone calls to talk to people. And they think that he's trying to get back on the straight and narrow. Now he actually goes to the bathroom, uh, January 18th. He goes in there to take a shit and he never comes out. He croaks oh, right wow. there on the shitter. Now, you remember, as we talked about earlier in the John Fiore episode, after they got back, Sill made that comment. He's like, that guy from Hollywood too, Don something, producer of the Simpsons. Well, this is where he caught from now. He didn't produce the fucking Simpsons. That was just them being funny. But the same way that he died was the same way that Don died in real life on the yeah. shitter. That's got, that's, I mean, pardon the pun. That's a shitty way to go. A really shitty way to go. I got nothing to add to that. I mean, if you had a choice, what would be your choice of way to go? Would, would it be on the shitter? That's got to be at the bottom of my fucking list. <laughs> way to take that hint of <laughs> not touching this one. <laughs> Good job, pal. <laughs> well, since you forced me, <laughs> I'd like to go out with one of those uh, call girl nights that Don had going. That mine would be a go. whole lot tamer. <laughs> I can see that. Uh, so you want to come and go at the same time is basically what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, and I would like to just go ahead and go to that part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. 
I'm sure they had Viagra or some sort of it back in those days. Uh, you had an erection longer than five hours, see a doctor. I believe movie. Uh, somebody's right going to need a doctor. It ain't going to be me. It's a wore out bitch in a wheelchair with a twinkle in her eye. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So originally, now get this. Originally, they actually ruled Don's death of natural causes. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Now, I mean, so as long as you believe that natural causes are caused by a fuckload of illegal drugs, then I'll buy that, I guess. But later on, another <laughs> autopsy was done, and it revealed that he had over 21 different drugs, including cocaine, other stimulants, antidepressants, and many, many more. That has got to be a fucking record. 21. He hit blackjack on drugs in his fucking system. 21. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a good number. There's uh, cases of people having to do, I would say, four to six I'm aware of in some situations, but something completely different. So, you know, 21. See, this is a lot. 21. Damn. 20 fucking one. Like, that's... I, I I can't even imagine. That's a, I, I, we need to figure out if that's a record, like of how many drugs somebody can have in their system at one time. Let's like, get that autopsy before it pulled up. How fucking high do you want to be? Well, you, I'm running kinda, out of shit. The name, I don't even know if I know 21 drugs right now. Sound like you're working from a point uh, or a position of having sane, rational thought. You're not <laughs> looking at it from the addiction angle. Maybe we're being in the right state. These guys were not at this point. I mean, the right state of mind. There's no rules, man. All right. So we get it rationally thinking. But boy, oh boy, I guess when you get that bad, you've been pretty much doing what you want to do the entire while as well. I'm not going to put it all on addiction. Definitely probably already had some bad habits before getting in an executive position back in the late 80s. Yeah. So none of that helps. And you don't have anyone to tell you when you're being a bad boy. So there's no help. Well, apparently he had people that told him because the news wasn't a surprise to a lot of people. They basically said that they understood it. They expected this phone call, that it was kind of just a foregone conclusion at this point that sooner or later, you know, this is going to happen. But I'm still stuck on 21. Like, even right now, I'm sure some of the shit he was taking probably didn't even have the names they have right now. I don't know if I could tell you 21 drugs that I would say, hey, I want to do right now. Yeah, well, I'm not really uh up the snuff on the drug scene so i couldn't <laughs> even if came to comment too much even if that. you fucking use google for crying out loud i mean 21 is a lot 21 different fucking drugs i'm not i'm not even sure he's aware he had 21 in his system i don't know if it was a case where something's been lingering in his blood for a while or could have did stuff days before however that possibly could work with the things that he was doing. Hell, he might have had experimental drugs. <laughs> yeah, I want to say they, they said they so found valid. like 2,200 and something pills in his closet. And like I said, I mean, he was reporting of spending 75000 a month on them. So I guess that's that's not out of the ordinary, but Jesus. Now, I mean, as I One said, yeah, de- definitely. And as I said, a lot of people, you know, this news came expected of Don, so it wasn't. Uh, shock. Now I found a documentary that was based on Don. It's one of them things where it's kind of the footage isn't great. I'm not sure where it actually come from. It's got a creepy tone to it, uh, but it's split into like four parts on YouTube. Each part's like 10 minutes long. So you have to watch them all back to back to back. But I got a lot of info from there too, along with the book, I concept I talked about earlier, but I mean, that about does it for the life and times of big time Hollywood film producer, 
Don Simpson. That was a wild fucking ride there, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I'm listening. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I got a half a contact high just doing this fucking episode. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I definitely, I would have probably liked to try to party with old Don back in the day, but now I definitely don't think I could do it. That's a different league, dude. Um, I am the low amateur. <laughs> I am simply hobbyist. Those guys have a bachelor's, a doctorate in partying. <laughs> Thesis. Yeah, uh, key to the city. They, they got it all right there. But again, you, you're kind of working with people who have some strong mental issues that they could never work out. Uh, so that's a different level altogether. Yeah, and I mean, even nowadays, right now, the pill problem is still rampant, you know, in America right now. What you Opioids have, are. Yeah, opioid yep. epidemic. Uh, what, Prince, uh, they had Percocets, I think they found, and, and his system. What's that rapper that died not too long ago they said was an uh, overdose? Was Juice World or something? Yeah, I can't remember. We, there was a little string of some rappers dying. Some were not too mainstream. Some were kind of underground. And yeah, pills have popped up in some of those cases. Yeah, and I mean, people that uh, are actually have, you know, I ain't going to say an excuse, but a, a medical reason to get them, they made it very hard for them to even keep it just because it's, it's such a problem now with the epidemic and people passing away uh, far too young. Like I said, that rapper, I want to say it's Juice World, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then Prince, who was a, a legendary fucking singer, loved, loved his music. Were you a big Prince fan at all? Yeah, uh, something happened. Facebook Watch is one of the worst video apps on the planet, but they somehow got on a Prince channel, and I spent probably an hour one morning with Prince music playing <laughs> <laughs> to start my day off just on a random whim that that was what the Facebook Watch threw my way, the most unnavigatable video freaking app <laughs> on the internet, and random as hell, but it pulled up some great Prince. So, yeah, Purple Rain. Yeah, so... And I mean, if Don would have been around today, you know, maybe he could have circumvented some of this stuff. I don't know. I mean, with apps like Tinder and Bumble, I, you know, I'm not on those. I don't know. You're on those, aren't you? Some of them? No, I actually closed down. I don't know if I can say delete it. I don't know if that's the right phrasing of it. I actually haven't been on those apps. They were a little bit too much of a time sink. Mm -hmm. So I removed them from my phone. And of course, being in the area, that's a whole another story so yeah. i am not on those apps but i'm sure don would have been on something more specialized i'm, I'm sure he would is it, i mean if you had was there a section yeah. on there where you said if you like water sports or you wanted to be pissed on while your head was in the toilet <laughs> or something was that in there and he He's can he the expedite the, the process <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus yeah. so well, very acquired taste man oh man well folks that about does it for this episode here that was a wild one that was the life and times of mr don simpson now as we said earlier jerry bruckheimer would go on and have a very very long career he would do many many more uh movies famous movies uh got hooked into the tv shows i mean just he would go on to have a long career yeah. unlike don whose career was cut very, very short, but he lived life wild, crazy, and to the fullest, and he died the exact same way. So I guess if you'd have probably asked him how he wanted to go, it would probably been just like he did, you know? I mean, maybe not the exact setting and the shitter, but, right, you know, right. going out, partying hard, and, and doing it doing it up. So I, I guess looking at it in that way, maybe 
Maybe things happened the way he wanted it. Maybe he wouldn't have rather went out any other way. Maybe getting old age and dying and watching grandkids walking around would have never been enough for him because, as you heard, that was actually him and the opener of this show saying that, you know, you always want to chase that high. You know, once you experience it, you're just going to chase it. And old Don chased it right to the very end. Yeager, mm-hmm. any closing thoughts for this episode? What do you think? Well, it was a great show. Good bit of research by you. Uh, you said your neck, head area was hurt. Your back should be hurting too, pal, for carrying this whole thing. <laughs> Fantastic job that you did here. And I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, and also, a- Don, this movie's I did enjoy. But, you know, I, I also thought we could just examine this. I didn't want to go into too much of shit on how. I'm positive these people were really terrible and assholes. We get it. We know. I'm hopeful that the listeners think we didn't do this, or at least on my side, for a whole hour, talking about men behaving badly. But, yeah, it's a fascinating character to, to look at the life and times of Johnson. So very well done. And I always come to life a little bit more when we're talking movie stuff because it's a little bit more the wheelhouse. I've said it growing up through the years, so I was glad I had a little bit more I could put on here for you, a little spice to go through the show and talk to you about this one. So that's the entertainment part Absolutely. of the podcast. You got <laughs> to have the right spices on the food or it don't taste worth a damn. I know you know about that. I know a thing or two about that. Pal. I got a fish I got to get up and cook right now. I'm getting some munchies. A uh, thing or two about a thing or two. Out of munchies? Oh, my word. Oh, we don't want to get into that. Why <laughs> Yeah, it's time to light up. I mean, log off. Oh, oh my word. Okay. All right. Spark it up. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. We got more coming down the pipe. We're going to try to get back on track here. Hopefully I can uh, get this back neck situation worked out after that damn idiot hit me and uh, caused me this little setback. But we are back here. We hope you enjoy this. Again, go like us on Facebook. Go follow us on Instagram and go check out our YouTube channel. All these interviews that we've done with these celebrities that I can't even believe we're sitting down and talking to, they're all on YouTube. So if you got a job where you can just kick back and watch YouTube videos, or if you're working from home, you're looking for something to do to pass the time, go check us out. Give us a like and a subscribe comment. We'll comment you back, tag us and whatever you want. You got any show ideas, throw them out there. I'm game to do it. I'm down for whatever. Yeager, where can they find you on social media? All over the interweb. First of all, I just want to say if you go to your podcast, get your choice, like your Apple podcast, please leave a rating in there for us. It really does help us out. Swing by Yeagershot.com, a.k.a. CrimeAntertainment.com to check out the shirts, apparel that we have available that you could order at, too. Really would help us out. I'm, of course, on all the social channels with my Yeagershot stuff talking photo and photography, things of that nature, Yeagershot.com. You can link to everything that I'm talking about here. That's the letter. It's Y-E-A-G-E-R-S-H-O-T-S.com. A little bit of a shout-out to some uh, radio people right there. <laughs> That's an inside joke on that one. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that guy's uh, quite a character. I could do a podcast on that, man. We're not going to say any names, though. <laughs> no, no, no. We're moving on. <laughs> well, that's about it, folks. We will see you guys next week. Right here on Crime and Entertainment, I am Hollywood Wade. That was Jaeger Tedder. And unfortunately, we are out of time.